Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to Bar Fights. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Nigat Shah, and she's an award-winning filmmaker. She's an international impact investor and a philanthropist. And she has a production company. It's called Adur Productions. And it's a platform where she speaks out on behalf of mental health and social justice issues. And what we're going to be diving into today is the issue of child labor. Um, Nigat has a film that's called Gunjal, um, which also translates into Entangled. And she addresses the issue of child labor with care and compassion. And she's on a mission around the world to end child labor. And you guys know, I love a fellow warrior who is working on behalf of protecting kids. I am so excited to have her today. Nigat, welcome to Bar Fights. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on your show. I'm very impressed. And thank you for the generous introduction. And I'm very impressed by what you you are doing for children for protecting children thank you so much for doing that and i'm just doing a little bit there oh you're doing so much so talk us through how you got interested in this topic of child labor laws i know you've done so your body of work is so robust and and impactful how did you get interested in this topic uh you know sarah as children, we always have some topics that are so closer to our heart, to us. Mine was women empowerment, mental health, and child labor. Because, you know, I grew up in Pakistan. I was born and raised, like, I was raised by very loving parents. So when I was in very early childhood, I didn't know about child labor. The only thing that we would cry about was um, home chores. That was the only labor we used to do, you know. And then after a time, when I moved to the city in Islamabad, and my my idea of uh, children exploitation and how children work completely changed when I saw little children working in like uh, d- people's houses as domestic help. That was my only understanding of child labor. I used to think that children are only working in other people's houses. That's what, that was a terrible thing. I used to think that, uh, you know, when children are working in other people's houses, their self-esteem, their self-respect, they, that's everything that is going down on a low level. And we end up developing like a very unhealthy citizens, unhealthy adults, people who look up to the VIP culture, people who only only do what others tell them to do, even if they get education, you know. So, but when I dive deep into the child labor and child exploitation, I realize this is just the surface, how these children are being treated in houses, in domestic houses. The real problem lies in factories, 
in like systematic child labor. So when I had the opportunity, now when I have my kids grown up and I have money that I can spend where it needs, so I decided to raise awareness about child labor. My first short film was about mental health and suicide prevention. That was also came out of like, I am not a filmmaker because I'm a film enthusiast or a film student. I'm a filmmaker out of default. I wanted to talk about these issues. I have that. I cannot just sit quiet and just look at things happening. I need to go there and try to see if we can change something. So that's where I got into filmmaking and then into social justice films because uh, that's all I, I think I, that's the best way to raise awareness. People take stories into their heart. Yeah. And it's an incredible way to um, get people educated too. I think so many of these issues, you know, we hear the term child labor, we hear the term exploitation of children, but what does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? And what can we sitting here at home do about it? Right. And, and you, you know, you have um, created films and, and given this issue a voice. And so you decide, okay, I'm going to become a filmmaker and I'm going to get these issues out there. What does that journey look like? Where do you even start? How did you even sort of get a concept of what you wanted to do or what you thought would be the most impactful? Um, Sarah, first I'll answer to your it's your early question. You said it's really important that we educate people what yeah. it really is. I did not know what child labor actually looks like until I researched and I read about it and I listened to stories and I listened to uh, real stories. I came to know. And the same problem, I got into filmmaking to your next question. I got into filmmaking because uh, in my hometown, we used to, um, for the past 10, 15 years, I kept on hearing stories about young children, young, uh, young youth, youth, youth adults committing suicide. That little piece of um, paradise, I would say, Chitral, Pakistan, it's a very tranquil and mountainous region with 100% literacy rate. But what is encouraging those youth to complete a suicide and throw themselves into the water was beyond my imagination. I tried many things. I tried helping with uh, psychologists, sending psychologists there, doing seminars and many other things. Nothing helped. I wanted to, so the second uh, question to me was, it's not my job to fix the problem because by myself, I cannot do that. We need some systematic thinking, systematic um, like um, discussion, awareness about why certain things are, hap- are happening and uh, what can we do about it. So the idea of filmmaking came to me after um, watching one uh, short film about certain topic. So I decided to make a film about uh, mental health and suicide prevention after that film went on to win awards and also um, whenever we send it to um, people of authorities, they were all 
very happy to see it and they included the film into their discussions and that's how this idea of making a little short film gave birth to having like having a like a what do you call it um, a hotline for the areas by uh, like sponsored by one of the universities and uh, one of the uh, organizations in Pakistan so that kind of encouraged me that I need to speak about different things. And my way of doing something, raising awareness would be making a narrative, a film where people could see and people watch and people get it to their heart and we can educate people. And then we can talk. We can talk about these things. Yeah, I love that. I often say, you know, a a person with a, a passion for change and a story can move mountains, can change the world, right? It's all it takes sometimes. Um, You guys, the film that we're talking about is called This Bank of the River. Um, We're also talking about Entangled, and you can find more about both of these films at adorproductions.com. We're going to link to that. Um, Tell us about, I'm sure in making both of these films, you encountered some really special people with some really um, heavy and intense stories. What, if any, is is one or two of these folks that really, really touched your heart um, as you were making these films? Uh, Sarah, to uh, like we met many people when we were doing the research about both of these films. But here, let me clarify, these films are not uh, documentaries. They are narratives. So they are like, uh, we have taken some uh, creative liberty. Mm -hmm. They're not completely real stories of people. They are based on real stories. This uh, Gunjal specifically is based on a real story of child labor activist. Uh, Iqbal Masi, who was sold to servitude at the age of, they say, four or five, uh, not known how how child, how young he was, but he was very young. He was sold to a carpet manufacturer. So he worked there um, under the excruciating circumstances, environment, and he, when he grew up a little bit, around 10 years old, I believe, so he freed himself. He ran away from the facility and he joined an organization and he helped free other children from that environment. So his story, it's a hero's journey. He was Mm -hmm. sold, he freed himself, he freed other people, but tragically he was killed at a very young age. So this film takes a investigative um, journalistic approach to his death. And then in doing so, we also touch what was the environment, how he was treated, what were other people, other children, how other children were treated. So it's that type of a story. It like uh, holds everything together, the treatment and how his death was not investigated properly and what kind of circumstances his parents were going through. Why did they sell him? So this, uh, Sarah, brings me back to the story, to the current affair right now that we are dealing in the United States. Some of our states are trying to relax the child labor laws. 
you know, yeah. Arkansas is doing it and a few other doing it. So when I see these things happening in the United States, they make me more upset because if this happens in Pakistan or in any other developing country, they can hide behind that they're, the people are poor mm-hmm. and they have more children and struggling with uh, struggling economically, things like that. But what is it that United States uh, has to, uh, why, why United States has to do that? Instead of protecting children, instead of more protection, they are relaxing the already put in place protection laws. This kinds of. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You sit there and you go, why? Right. What? what, Why? Um, Just statistics, according to the Department of Labor, the number of hazardous occupation um, violations regarding minors in the U.S. has increased 94 percent since 2015. Um, Some of these violations include scheduling minors for working at night, working too many hours, putting them in harmful environments. Um, And so, like you said, we've been moving the wrong way (laughs) on this issue. We've been moving the wrong way, totally. I mean, yeah. people don't understand. Uh, okay, I another argument um, for relaxing the child labor laws was that they do not want the government to come in between children and parents because parents need to decide what's good for their children. Okay, here's the thing. Government is the parent for everyone. Okay, it should be the umbrella to protect the children, the parents, the color, the non-colored, the uh, gendered, non-gendered, whatever comes under that umbrella. So parents can be um, emotionally drained. Parents can be financially drained. Parent can have two or 10 parents can have multiple problems. Right. And they will end up sending their kids to work. If the government doesn't ensure the safety, the protection, the proper laws, that means is the government drained? Is the government in problem? Why the government is not? So what's the point of having the government then again, if the protections are not there for everyone? And the protection should be based on who can handle what. And children are vulnerable. Children are the uh, future of the country of any country or of the world. Yeah. And according to UN statistics in 2022, more than 200 million children worldwide are child laborers and get this 73 million under the age of 10. And there's something you said earlier that really struck me. And it's something we talk about a lot on the show, which is, when you're under the age of 10 or whatever age you are as a child, your sense of self has not yet developed. You don't know who you are yet. Your brain is still being formed. And so what kind of messaging are these kids getting? What kind of, you know, belief systems, you know, senses of self, how do, how are they developing when they are um, being put to work 
in many instances under the age of 10, in many instances in hazardous and dangerous and unsafe conditions. Yeah, that's so upsetting. One in three of these children are in hazardous work. Can you believe one in three? One in three. That's one upsetting. Three. And what message are they getting? They, they're not even getting messages. They grew up having the understanding of uh, nobody is protecting them. And it's by the hook or by the crook. There is no uh, ethics. I mean, I would say because they saw ethics being not played with them. I mean, little kid is handling a saw, meat cutting. I mean, what the 10-year-old um, can think of. It's yeah. a sad situation. Yeah. And what you said in in countries with, you know, extreme poverty, war, regional economic instability, natural disasters, like you can say, okay, you know, I see the cause and effect, but in the United States of America, laws are relaxing to allow children to be exploited. Now we talked a little bit briefly before the show about the intersection between child labor and sexual assault, sexual violence of children. Tell me what you've observed in terms of that intersection. You know, when little children are employed in a factory and then they have a supervisor, Think about if that many of those supervisors are um, many of the time they're unhappy with their lives. And if they see little children who are not able to protect themselves, what they can do to them. So they are exploited. And definitely these type of practices come with all kinds of exploitations. And we have stories and we have data about all of these things. So children, you can only protect children when they are ready to work. I would say if the age of consent is 16 years of 16 years old, then age of going to work, they should decide by themselves that, yes, I'm ready to work uh, in a very safe environment until they are 18 or 21 years old. A parent should not send his or her child to a factory to work. It's one thing having the child do some chores. It's another thing sending your child out to work. This is what we are trying to fight. We are fighting this whole thing in developing countries. And now we have to go back and fight the same thing in the United States. It should have been much better if we can give the example of United States. I mean, up until now, we could we could give the example that United States laws for child protection is this, 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 this amazing, this amazing. Always people are scared. The employers are scared. The gov the, the parents are scared. Uh, the step parents are scared of sending their children to hazardous work environment because the government have a check on them. But now if the government says, hey, it's called um, legalizing child labor, what else can this be? So I think when it's happening in the United States, it's more scary for the whole world 
than when it's happening in Pakistan or in any other developing country, because they are still trying to improve these things. Yeah. And, and we are trying to go back and meet them. So there have been several high profile investigations involving child labor over the past couple of years, including big name companies um, that we've all heard of, Hyundai, Kia, um, fast food chains, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle. So these investigations have ensued. What did they determine? What was the outcome? Um, I'm not even sure if I've ever even heard of these investigations happening. Um, what what what's changed since these investigations have occurred and um what have we learned from them is it just more of the same that this stuff really is happening in our own backyard and um and these kids just aren't protected is it that they've exposed that this is happening and so some safeguarding measures have been put in place has anything changed you know, what I see that uh, we have these examples that there were some investigations and I'm trying to see one of the investigation that particularly happened that kind of um, upset me really badly. Um, okay, this happened. Arkansas just, um, Arkansas leads charge to weaken child labor protections. I just read the Guardian News. Okay, so here is it. You know, one of the biggest um exploitation or um, thing that happened with child labor and children being exploited was the Packer Sanitation um, Farm, a Packer Sanitation Farm. They found like uh, more than 100 children working like more hours, extra hours until nine o'clock and in uh, bad conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's the largest sanitation company in the United States, a food sanitation company. Mm. So after that, this happened in March, but I see after that, I see another news uh, being put into law the same, the same time, uh, Arkansas making the law, relaxing the uh, child labor laws. It happened in 2023. So we are not progressing. We are regressing mm. in child labor laws. And Arkansas is the leader in making these laws. There's many Minnesota. There are, uh, sorry, I can't name, name all of the states, but there are six or seven states. They are trying to, uh, they're, they're trying to uh, loosen these child protection laws. Mm. And so your first film, um, about youth suicide was met with great acclaim. It won so many awards, um, which you guys can read about on um, the website. This second film, um, has it been met with the same level of, of uh, interest and, and acclaim? I know the issues are are different, right? Because you, um, you know, one of them is is more of a mental health struggle. The other one might be calling out corporate America and big corporations and big money and you know all of that. Is it still? Have you found the same sort of footing for the second film? Are we getting it out there? Is it is is it easy to access? Have have people been receptive? Well, the film is not released yet, but you said it already. Um, 
the first one was uh, talking about self like care problems with one person two person or systematic like parents um like treatment of their children or the community's treatment of the uh, youngsters this is more um like uh, speaking to the authorities speaking to big corporations not only in the united states but also in pakistan because uh, the film this is the story of a child in pakistan though this story happened in 1990s but the child labor did not cease to exist it's still there like recently a few days ago in pakistan one of the civil judges judge's wife brutally tortured her domestic help she was only 13 years old mm. and hospitalized her mm. now recently 5 days ago there was another religious figure in one of the other cities people just give their children in his service because he's that religious figure you know in the area so he not only murdered but raped and murdered a child this is one of the million tens of thousands of incidents that are happening so these two cases are becoming high profile cases but my understanding is people are trying to hush hush these type of investigations these type of cases there's so much money involved it is hard so yes we are trying this is one effort you and i speaking about these issues and we might do maybe more of these discussions but will not stop i think mhm keep doing and so where you know we talk a lot too on this show about just having the conversation can be a, an important first step you took you know much bigger step by making an actual film about it um how can we two questions one how can we see the film when it comes out and then two what can we do the average person listening to this in their car on the way to work who's horrified by what they've learned today what can we do you know what can we do that's one thing we need to educate ourselves mm-hmm. you know ignorance is no more a bliss mm-hmm. it's it's not because if we stay ignorant then these things will happen to us right so we have to keep our eyes open our ears open so we we should hear we should watch what's happening in our in our environment and we have to be socially responsible when we are consuming when we are buying when we go to this place that place we have to see when we are buying a carpet or when we are buying something manufactured in some country some place and some area we need to see how that was manufactured and how that was developed into the product that is sold to us and we can do that there are many website they put socially responsible uh, manufacturers socially responsible services and merchandise companies on their website so they do research and if we look look at these things we will encourage them to do more of their research like more holistically and properly that's one thing we can do raising awareness talk to each other and also keep our eyes open uh, what's happening to the kids around us 
are these kids are are these kids being treated well because these days it's the time of technology we are connected online but we are disconnected in real life we don't see our neighbors what's happening with their kids do their kids go to school or do they go to work all day long so these are the things as um, responsible citizens we should keep in mind and for the film uh, sarah the film is not released yet but i'm planning to release it in pakistan and then planning to release it in the united states in the small theaters maybe and then i'll share uh, a link when i put it on ott platform i love yeah, it's with english titles yeah, I'm so, so excited to see it and so proud of the work that you're doing. And again, I mean, let this serve as inspiration, my listeners, of somebody who hears about something that's wrong and doesn't just sit back and do nothing about it, but says, I'm going to do my part, whatever that looks like to leave the world better than how I found it. And who has dedicated herself to protecting kids. And at the end of the day, I don't know one thing that is more important in this world than protecting our children. And so hats off to you for doing the work that you do. I cannot wait to see the film when it comes out. I will be waiting and we would love to have you back when it comes out and just sort of hear how, how the journey of releasing it um, has transpired and maybe we'll have some more insight as to those questions about how it, it's received and does it get the legs um, that it deserves being an issue um, that definitely implicates you know, some, some big business with some deep pockets for sure. Um, I'm just so happy you were here. Thank you so, so much for your time, for your work. We're going to link to Adur Productions and you guys can, can keep up with the work that this incredible person, um, Nigat Shah, is doing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, and we'll see you guys again right here on Bar Fights. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.